Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson, your host of the show here. Follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore If you are listening to our podcast, if you'd share it with your friends, that'd be amazing. If you're watching on YouTube, hi, hello, welcome. Excited that you're watching our program. Share that as well. Like this video. It helps so much. Leave a five-star rating and review if you're listening on the podcast platform. It helps when you do things like that. On today's show, I'm very excited because Raul Clement joins me here on the program. We're set to talk about the Duke basketball offseason, year one, straight ahead for John Shire and the men's basketball team. Raul, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you doing, my friend? Good. Um, like we were talking about off air, I just got back from a trip, so I'm tired, but I'll do my best. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm excited to catch up with you and, and kind of get uh, a talk here, a conversation going about Duke men's basketball. I mentioned you're affiliated with the Devil's Den podcast here on the show. We've already had Shu, we've already had Josh Smith, and now you're the third compadre. You're the third guy that we need to get plugged in and and that sort of thing. So I want to start there, Raul. How in the world did you get involved with this podcast? Um, well, I have been a Devil's Den poster off and on for years, going back yeah. to probably uh, the John Wall recruitment, I think, is when sure. I joined. <laughs> so that was, what, uh, 2009 or something yeah. like that, because he uh, he would have played in 2010. Um, so that was back when they were on Scout, and then they moved to uh, 247 Sports. And uh, Josh kept regularly posting over there and uh, of course the devil's den podcast had been run by chris bunn and uh john watson and adam rowe previously and it kind of fizzled out for various reasons in 2020 you know the pandemic yeah. being one and uh we just you know missed we felt like there was a little void in our lives you know as listeners and clearly nobody else was going to take the podcast back up so Josh suggested it to John and uh, John Watson, that is, who runs the Devil's Den. Um, and he was on board. So once we went through the hoops to get approval and all that, we were good to go. And it's been fun so far. And I mean, has Duke basketball been something that you've talked about for the majority of your life role? Take me there. I mean, this has got to be something that you're, you've been used to doing before. And now it's just like, all right, let's put a microphone in front and start recording. Yeah, well, uh, Josh, Shu, and I um, – and a few other people have had an ongoing Facebook messenger chat for maybe 12 years now or something <laughs> crazy like that. Don't quote me on that, but you know, since the early days of Facebook, so we talk about this stuff all the time off air, you know, debating lineups and you know, who the best player is and all that kind of stuff. And going back before that, you know, I've been a Duke fan since I moved to Durham, which would have been, you know, late 86. So I didn't see the Johnny Dawkins team, but from then on and, uh, you know, and I've just kind of done that same thing with various friends before Josh and Shu, just debating, you know, the merits of certain teams and what lineup should be run and that kind of stuff. So, well, this is a very interesting time for Duke men's basketball because we're going through the coaching transition. We're going to have John Shire taking over the program. And here we are in this off season, coach K is no longer there. We saw him, a week ago on draft night, Paulo goes number one. ESPN plays the video 
of Coach K basically congratulating Paulo for that. But how weird has this offseason been for you, knowing that, hey, it's not going to be Mike Krzyzewski walking out in that first game of the season? Or do you think that feeling will more so set in once a game is being played? Yeah, I don't think I've processed the reality of it. I think it'll take seeing Shire on the sidelines for sure. Um, you know, it's nice that he has been such a big part of the program. That makes it feel like there's more continuity. You know, uh, if it was a, a coach from outside the Duke system or whatever, I, I think I would have felt the shock of it a little bit more. But, you know, in ways, it's it's bittersweet, but I think it was a good time for it to happen. So... Yeah, I mean, look, it, 42 years is a really long time for someone to be in a spot, and, and now for John Shire to step in. He's obviously had great success immediately on the recruiting trail. If you would, last year's team going into that final season for Coach K, the expectations that are so high for the Duke basketball program, I mean, it was pretty sensational that they were able to make that deep Final Four run. When you think back on, on what exactly that team was able to accomplish, like what are some of the highlights that stand out to you? Well, I think a lot of people will have the memory of it tainted by the two UNC losses. But for me, when I look back at the season, especially the longer and longer we get uh, away from it, the better I feel about it. I mean, a Final Four run is nothing to sneeze at, you know. Um, It's unfortunate that they didn't win, you know, the ACC title game, but they did win the ACC regular season. It was nice to break that drought. That was 10-year drought or something, 12 years. Um, And the Final Four run was a little bit unexpected for me. I didn't know what to think of that team. I thought they'd at least get to the Sweet 16. But, you know, they'd been – they hadn't lost a lot of games. They played well all year, but they'd been up and down, and some of the big moments kind of come up a little bit short. And so I didn't know if the pressure would get to them again. But then to see, you know, uh, Jeremy Roach kind of emerge in the tournament was really cool. Um, and Paolo played sensationally well, probably his best basketball of the year. Mark was great. Really, if, you know, if we just kind of could have gotten a little bit more of that peak AJ, maybe we win that game, then who knows what happens against Kansas. So it was a, it was a great season overall. Yeah, I think. No doubt for the long part of the season, we know AJ was shooting over 50% from three point range and it kind of tailed off at the worst time of the year. And, and you're right. Unfortunately, it is a little tainted by the fact that the Tar Heels were the team to beat Duke twice there at the end uh, for Mike Krzyzewski to end his career. Um, that, that feels like an ultimate trump card. I hope that's not the case. Hopefully we'll have big state games like that in years to come and that sort of thing. But looking back at last year's team, you mentioned Jeremy Roach and the year that he had towards the end of the season. And now we're preparing for year three. The team is starting to get together. We're seeing meetings and practice that they're posting about on social media, still waiting for the arrival of Tyrese Proctor from Australia. But year three, Jeremy Roach, I mean, what kind of expectations do you have here? I expect him to take a leap. I don't expect it to be, you know, a leap to national player of the year or anything. But I think, you know, 15 points a game, five assists, you know, good uh, ball management. I think all that's reasonable. I expect an improvement in three-point shooting, too. Um You know, I know he worked with Nolan Smith a lot last year, so it kind of remains to be seen if there's somebody to fill in that void and work with him. But I I know uh, during the K Academy, he seemed to be hanging out with Quinn Cook a lot, so maybe there's some mentoring going on there as well. And I see some similarities, you know, between their games. So he just just really needs to improve that three-point shot and uh, 
improve the defense. So I thought that that did get better throughout the year. Um, but yeah, he showed some great shot making during the tournament. Just his his ability to get in the lane. I think his speed is finally coming back after those high school injuries. Because if you watch his high school tape, he looked really fast, mm-hmm. and he didn't really look like that in his freshman season. But I, there were some impressive bursts of speed he showed, um, and his rim finishing really seemed to improve in the tournament too. So I am optimistic. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, consistency, I think, is going to be the biggest thing for Roach. And, uh, but you got to feel comfortable knowing you've seen two seasons of him before in college basketball. It does feel like you're taking step-by-step step each year. And so going into your third year, uh, I really do think we'll see a much improved Jeremy Roach. Let's talk a little bit more about next year's team and what it might look like here in just a moment on Locked On Blue Devils. Our show today is brought to you by our friends over at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when you use Rock Auto. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Prices are reliably low and are low for every customer. They have everything that you can need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On Blue Devils and their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, we want to welcome you back in here to Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside Raul Clement. And Raul, we saw the NBA draft come and go last week. Five Duke basketball players starting their professional career. We saw Theo John on last year's team get a summer league deal with the Timberwolves. We'll be able to watch him. Jack White got a summer league deal with uh, the Denver Nuggets and a couple of guys going into their second and third season. We'll see some NBA basketball here in the next few weeks. But when you look at college basketball and what Duke's team is going to look like next year, what have you thought about the roster turnover that Duke's going to have and and the guys coming in? Well, you know, I was at first pretty apprehensive because of the age. You know, this will be probably our youngest team ever. And then you've got a new coach on top of that. But, you know, a few things have happened recently to make me feel a little more optimistic. Um, the guard situation was in flux for a while because it was it seemed like Keels was going to leave, but we didn't know who the replacement was going to be. And that was going to be a very thin backcourt. So to be able to add Proctor and even more specifically to add Grandinson at the last uh, Jacob Grandinson as the transfer at the last minute was huge for me. Um, he gives Duke a lot of what they need. They needed shooting depth and experience and he provides all those so that that one addition as small as it might seem you know i mean what did he average nine points a game or something right i think it's going to be huge he's also a good defender so um i think it'll allow duke more lineup versatility which is a big thing for me i didn't want them to be stuck having to play two bigs at all times you know with filipowski and lively that that lineup could work i'm not saying it won't but if you're just restricted to that, what if it's not working, um, yeah. you know, or what if one of them gets in foul trouble and then suddenly you're, you're putting Mark Mitchell in, but then you have this kind of void at guard and there just becomes some issues. So 
Yeah, no, I'm excited to see the guards that came in there late. Of course, Proctor reclassifying, and then you've got Grandison, as you mentioned, going into the second year of Jalen Blakes. Maybe he takes a step forward for the Stoop team. And then Jaden Shute, I mean, a, a top 50 player in the entire country will be a freshman. Any other school in America would be jumping for joy if Jaden Shute was going to be a freshman on their roster. And I really like his game and what he's going to be able to do for Duke. And when you start projecting starting lineups – and that sort of thing, as we're starting to think about what those lineups could be, the idea of two bigs is fascinating, but it is wise. I'm glad you pointed out the fact that, hey, maybe you do need to make sure you've got a little bit of backcourt help because maybe matchups aren't the best. We saw oftentimes the bigger guys, defensive matchups, when teams play smaller, it's kind of hard to play quicker. And I think Derek Lively, uh, just from watching high school tape, seems to be really athletic and a, a good shot blocker, but maybe it'd be tougher for Kyle Filipowski to not be a true five and to, to have to defend like that. So, yeah, I do think it's really important that your wings uh, can provide some versatility there and depth to this team. Yeah, that's where I think uh, Mark Mitchell could be big too. Um, yeah. You know, he's not the best shooter from what I've seen. His form's a little wonky, but he's really a kind of, do everything glue guy um you know he may be more than that but good rebounder great touch inside can kind of play on the perimeter a little bit uh take people off the dribble uh seems like he'll be a great defender with his length so he might give us more of a kind of traditional stretch four option you know that kind of uh we've traditionally kind of slid people like uh, Tatum or Ingram to the four mm -hmm. to kind of create more spacing Winslow was another great example so I think Mitchell could fill that mold, especially in games where we're playing against smaller teams that might give us trouble because of the spacing. So, Yeah. How, how good do you think Derek Lively the second could be for this team? I'm hoping – I think it's too optimistic to say that he's going to be sophomore Mark because he's only a, you know, a freshman. Right. But I'm hoping for something like you know later in the season freshman Mark would be great. Right. Um, I don't know if he comes out of the gate like that, but he has a lot of the same physical tools in terms of length, mobility, athleticism, standing, uh, reach, shot blocking, all that stuff. So, And, and shame on us, Raul, for waiting so long to bring up Dariq Whitehead and what he's going to be able to do for this team. We're seeing a couple of photos of him side-by-side -side already with John Shire. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm ready to see him kind of take over the program wearing that jersey number zero that Wendell Moore Jr. had been wearing the last few seasons, and Derek Whitehead playing at the school that he did, uh, you know, being there as an eighth grader when R.J. Barrett is going through all the limelight and senior tour and festivities there at Montverde. Now you've got uh, Derek Whitehead coming into his own as a college basketball player, and he's he's going to be a fun player to watch at Duke next year. Yeah, I think so. I expect him to be the leading scorer. Um, you know, it's possible that Roach could get in there or somebody yeah. else that I'm not predicting, but just in terms of skill set, you know, I've watched, I'm only going to, you know, I'm not going to claim that I sat here and watched 20 of his high school games or anything, but I've watched like three and he can get, I know he's streaky as a shooter, but he was making his threes in every game I've watched. And when it goes in, it looks beautiful. And, uh, you know, he's great off the dribble, very athletic, um, great in transition. So if we play, uh, you know, somewhat fast, which I believe Shire wants to, then that could help him out too. You know, and this team doesn't really have a clear go-to scorer, so I see him stepping up to fill in that void and, you know, kind of being in that high teens range in terms of scoring. All right, we take a look at this Duke men's basketball team going into year one of the John Shire era, and we'll start to wrap up our conversation after our final timeout. 
here today on Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and more. Right now, we're in the heart of the MLB season. Check out all the odds at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. We want to welcome you back in here to today's edition of Lockdown Blue Devils on this Thursday, Thursday, June 30th. It's the last day of June, and I'm so excited to have Raul Clement from the Devil's Den podcast here with us today. The Devil's Den podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Recently, they had a, a fun episode, Alzheimer's Disease Research Awareness and Advocacy. Josh Smith promoted this when he was on our podcast last week. June is Alzheimer's Awareness Month, so uh, make sure you go check out that one. Also, a recent interview with Dave Bradley, the creative director for Duke Men's Basketball, talking about the Nike EYBL circuit as Duke now has a general manager of the program and the dividends that that could be. Raul, talk about some of these podcasts, promote some of the recent work you guys have done because it's really terrific. Yeah, I mean, the Alzheimer's one was great to do. I was kind of in the background there um, just listening and editing the pod, but um, just listening to these experts and learning a lot of stuff that I didn't know. Um, You know, we had Dr. Heather Whitson and Dr. Gwen Garden from the Duke UNC Alzheimer's Disease Research Center. I believe I've got the name right there. So, you know, one of them works at Duke and one works at UNC and they're collabing. So that was cool to see. Doesn't happen often, right? No. (laughs) Um, And then we had somebody from the Alzheimer's Association um, kind of out of Washington. He's a Duke alum, but, you know, to hear hear about the national efforts going on as well and to learn about some things that people could do in terms of, you know, helping to fundraise. Like there's a walk to end Alzheimer's this year. So all the relevant links are posted in the podcast description if you check out that podcast if people want to help out. Yeah. So great cause, you know, um, a lot of a lot of people have had family members affected by it. So. No doubt. And then also I want to highlight the fact that uh, on, on the podcast, you guys are doing a good job talking about Rachel Baker, the newest hire for, mm-hmm. for John Shire's staff. We're going to have a general manager of Duke basketball. Trades don't necessarily happen in college athletics, which is what often you think about uh, when you think of a GM and free agency and that sort of thing. But we live in an era where we've got uh, the transfer portal as crazy as it is. We've got name, image, and likeness laws that are so crazy and, and so many opportunities for the guys. Very forward thinking of John Shire to make a hire like this. Tell me a little bit about where you stand. Yeah, I think the biggest thing it's going to help with is the name, image, and likeness stuff. Um, I know that at the K Academy, I had a friend who was there, and Shire was, so I don't think any of this is secret, but uh, Shire was saying that, you know, he was still figuring out how to negotiate that because it's like, it's a completely new uncharted territory. He can't turn to Coach K for help. Sure. Um, right? K's never dealt with it. Right. So. You know, to bring in somebody from the outside, obviously there's certain regulations you have to follow and you can't start, the school can't directly promise anybody money or anything like that. But it's to have somebody there to guide the student athletes in their decision making um, and to kind of show them what their options are, you know, is going to be huge for Duke. Uh, 
you know, I don't think Duke is going to go down the route that we've seen some of these other schools go down with just basically openly paying players through boosters. I don't think that's their style, but um, we still have to find a way to stay competitive um, to be able to kind of plumb the transfer market yeah. to the full extent. So. Yeah, and then not to mention the impact that it can have on your incoming freshmen and right. that sort of thing. As we start to look at the summer, it's obviously huge for Peach Jam and all of these Nike EYBL basketball events on the AAU circuits for players to get exposure for coaches to be out on the road recruiting and that sort of thing. And so looking at the summer ahead and in a time where, okay, there's not that many, uh, not much news. We know what the roster is going to look like for Duke men's basketball this season. We'll certainly be following summer league and how the former players are doing there at the next level. But in terms of recruiting and in terms of looking at future Duke rosters and that sort of thing, Raul, is there a, a topic or anything in particular in regards to, to Duke recruiting that really piques your interest? Um, not particularly, but I will say one cool thing is that we've basically got, you know, not only this class obviously wrapped up because they're coming in right now, but yeah. the next class. And that's really unusual to have that done uh, this early. Now, I think they will add another big and maybe they'll add another guard now that Proctor has classed down. But um, apart from we could we could roll out the that team in 2023, 2024 and be fine. Yeah. So to have that done so early allows us to kind of, you know, even branch out to 2024 and 2025. I've seen some offers go out um, already, and that seems like the distant future, yeah. but it'll be here quickly. Talking about the Boozer twins and Cooper yeah. Flag or some of those big products. I love Cooper Flag. Yeah. Man, that guy is uh, special to be that mm -hmm. young and to score the way he does at 6'8". Like, that would just be remarkable. I, what I was hoping you would bring up, and you did, so kudos to you, Roll. I'm really interested – to see what 2023 looks like for Duke because yes, they've got their hands and eyes on 2024 and, and some commits will start to come in. We've seen that plenty of times where guys get set to go in uh, to that junior off season and, and want to make a decision uh, in terms of where they're going to play college basketball. But now that Proctor has reclassified Duke does have a couple of openings in that class that they can hand out scholarships. You mentioned bigs. A lot of people really want to know where Xavier Booker is going to end up out of Indianapolis where he could possibly land. And then if there is another guard that could enter the mix, you've already got Caleb Foster. You've already got Jared McCain, who's doing really well with his NIL deals already and uh, his social media exposure. But I, I really, really am interested in uh, how that 2023 class could end up because John Shire has the number one class in 2022. He's got number one in 2023, but you can always add to that class. And, uh, boy, he's really – uh, breaking records for first-year head coaches and how well they've been recruiting to start. Yeah, and I really love that class. Um, I think if if there's question marks on this upcoming team about shooting, I don't think they're going to be on the next team. I think the spacing is going to be great. You've got a lot of good guard play, even without Proctor. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to see them add a big wing maybe. You know, uh, it's a toss-up between that. You do you want a guard to replace Proctor? Well, maybe not because you've already got Foster. You've got McCain. Jeremy Roach could come back. You know, I know Proctor plans to be one and done, supposedly, but who knows how that goes. He's young. Yeah. He's skinny. So um, I think they might be fine at guard, but I don't really see that kind of big Duke prototypical wing. So it'd be nice to get that in there, too. And then you are, we already mentioned the big um, thing, but that kind of depends on – whether 
I mean, lively, I expect to be one and done, but Filipowski to me is a toss up. So yeah, we'll kind of see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, we, we like to get ahead of ourselves in the Duke basketball yeah, exactly. world. And, and it's like, Raul, if we're getting ahead of ourselves, I can only imagine the conversations the coaching staff is having when they're, ha- I mean, they're having to have these debates, like which scholarships go where when you start to look at what the teams could look like in the future and that sort of thing. And that is the beauty of the transfer portal. You mentioned some bigs coming in, somebody like Ryan Young, who's coming over from Northwestern Power 5 basketball, not going to create many highlight plays or really uh, move a lot of headlines or that sort of thing, but a really good piece to have for a basketball team to help move forward in that sort of thing. This has been awesome, Raul. I'm so appreciative of your time coming on Locked On Blue Devils today. Do me a favor and plug your podcast once again for our listeners. Yeah, so it's the Devil's Den podcast. It's available on all your major podcast platforms, so just keep an eye out for that. We're doing it a little less frequently in the summer, like maybe a couple of months. During the uh, school year, when it rolls back around, we'll be doing one a week at least, maybe two. Um, So we're not quite as uh, industrious as you are, but (laughs) we like to put out steady content. And there's a couple of cool episodes coming up. I can't really divulge, but there's going to be some interviews that uh, fans will be interested in. So keep an eye out for that. Just stay tuned. That's a tease right there. A a best in the biz. I like that. Raul, thanks again for the time. I'll do this again soon on the show, okay? Awesome. Thanks. All right. That's Raul Clement from the Devil's Den podcast joining us here today on this Thursday edition of the program. We're off tomorrow. We'll be back next week with a brand new exciting week of Locked On Blue Devils talking all things Duke Athletics, getting set for year one of the Mike Elko era in football. And John Shire keeps doing his thing out there for Duke. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you on Monday. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and Good day.